Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is strange. I have my earphones on, and one of you is in the left, and one of you is in the right. (laughs) Oh, that's so strange. (laughs) <laughs> I wonder if we're influencing the two different hemispheres of your brain. Maybe. Ooh, like one of us is an angel and one of us is a devil. Oh, I want to be the devil. I, I would not. Oh, man. I, I kind of want to be the devil. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Amy Devers. And I'm Jamie Derringer. And this is Clever. Clever is a podcast in which we have conversations with the super smart people who are shaping the world around us through design. And today, our guest on Clever is Austin, Texas-based product designer, Rebecca Fennell, who has an amazing success story, by the way, which you'll hear all about when we talk to her. But one key part of that success story involves supportive partners, both in life and in business. And you have a supportive partner, Jamie. Jordan, he's I awesome. I do, I do. Yeah, my husband, Jordan, is very supportive. Um, he has his own job, but he still helps me with mine because I don't have a business partner. How does he help you? Is he a sounding board? Is he, I mean, I know he helps you by sitting yeah. in the shower while we're having meetings. <laughs> yeah, that's not helpful at all. <laughs> no, he's very supportive in that I, at the end of the day, when I have something to complain about, he's there for me. Or if I need to make a really important business decision, he's there too, because any business decision I make as an entrepreneur or a business owner directly affects our livelihood. So, oh yeah, of course. So he's yeah. got an, a vested stake. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Absolutely. And so would you say that that communication is the most important aspect of your supportive partnership? I think that's a big part of it, but also trust. I mean, when you're running your own business, you are the one who has to generate the money. And so, you know, it directly affects our security. And so he had to trust that I was going to be able to bring in my share, my fair share. Well, and he's sort of a more risk averse security conscious guy, totally. (laughs) Yeah, it took some convincing, but finally he came around. But it seems to me like he trusts not only your ability to execute, but your vision and what you're doing and your your sort of higher purpose. Yeah. Would you say that's true? And it's nice to have somebody in your court like that. Yeah, he, he offers a lot of moral support, too. Oh, and I know something about supportive partners. Mine is in San Francisco, and he can't be nearly as supportive as I'd like him to be from there. No, he's he's great, but I mean, like, it would be really great if we could split the household duties if he was there as a sounding board every night. And so I just appreciate so much when you've got somebody who's on hand to help with all your life stuff. Derek mm-hmm. and I are both entrepreneurs in two different cities trying to do it all by ourselves. 
we need partners. We both need yeah. partners. <laughs> but you and I have a partnership that I think yeah. is very supportive. I think one of the things that's worked out kind of effortlessly is that we've figured out a way to play to each other's strengths. And then also, you and I keep each other in check. And by that, I mean, there's a certain amount of insecurity and vanity that comes into recording this podcast. And frequently, mm-hmm. I want to cut out shit where I sound like a douchebag or an <laughs> idiot. <laughs> and you're like, no, it's no. got personality, leave it in. And, and vice versa. And I think that that is important. Um, you have moments where, you know, just you're just pure Jamie and they're so endearing and you always think you sound like an idiot. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's the best part. Keep it in. And so in that respect, we're both cheerleading each other and reminding each other that it's OK to be who you are. And that's supportive. Yeah. And I think it also pushes you to do more than you would normally do. So having somebody behind you cheering you on, they, they also tend to push you beyond the voice inside of you that says, I can't do that. Right, right. You don't want to let them down and you want to exceed their expectations. Yes. Okay, so back to Rebecca Fennell. Even if you're not familiar with her name, you're definitely familiar with some of the kid products that she's designed for Boone. Like the now ubiquitous frog pod, the grass bottle drying rack, and the baby food dispensing squirt spoon. These are pretty much the coolest kid stuff on the market, and they are loved by both parents and children for their design and utility. Also, in a savvy business move, she built a distribution company uh, called Keen, which is responsible for the U.S. distribution of the Bumbo seat. And if you're a parent out there, I'm sure you've got one in your house, uh, among other products. Having sold Boone and Keen, she's moved on from kid stuff to the exquisitely elegant, refined, and supremely utilitarian housewares and handbags she creates for her label, Fennel. She's the whole package, balancing creativity with business and family. So let's talk to Rebecca. Let's do it. Well, it's great to talk to you, and thank you so much for taking the time out to do this, especially I know you have a a newish little one to deal with, so I appreciate it. That and that's your third child? Fourth. Fourth. Oh my and goodness. You are prolific. <laughs> <laughs> I love babies. And I have my I was I was pretty much uh done. I have a nine year old and two teenage girls. And I felt like I had to have one more. So we snuck it in three days before I turned forty. Nice. Wow, nice. Nice work. You're an accomplished young woman. (laughs) (laughs) You already know that I absolutely love your products because I own a few of them and I'm constantly sharing uh, how much I love them and all of your new releases on Design Milk and on social media. So it's really exciting to have you uh, on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. One thing that we like to do is uh, we like to start at the beginning. We like to give our listeners the backstory. So tell us about where you grew up and what was your childhood like? What was your family dynamic? Uh, I grew up in two places, really, a small town in northern Arizona. And I lived there until I was 11. And then another, a little larger town in Georgia called Noonan. So the small town in Arizona is 2,000 people, really tiny. Everybody knew everybody. Great place to be a young kid. We just played literally outside all day, every day. I, I grew up in a large family. We have there were five kids. 
lots of girls, four girls. Wow. <laughs> and, wow. But we didn't know we were girls. We just played sports all day all the, outside <laughs> with the boys. And then in Georgia, total culture shock when my parents moved there um, in the middle of middle school. But it, it, it was really fun. It was a fun culture to get to know and kind of fell in love with the South and the slower, friendly culture there. And went uh, all the way through high school there. Okay. And why did your parents move? My mother. Is it a job thing? No, not at all. My dad is a serial entrepreneur like myself. Uh, so <laughs> okay. they, they just chose Georgia. My mom loves Victorian era and she wanted uh-huh. a Victorian home with all of the, the crazy and in, Victorian interior design. Mm. <laughs> you can imagine the busy, kind of the opposite of myself. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was really what drove, we just, they were ready for something new, something oh, different. Interesting. That explains a lot about you too, I think. Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> So you said you spent through high school in Georgia. Uh, were yes. you like a high school track star or were you a science nerd or were you the artsy one? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually ran the mile and I did it in 521. <laughs> nice. Um, Good for you. I loved science. That was my favorite subject. My favorite class of all high school was anatomy and physiology, which made me want to study medicine. Mm. But um, I was known as the artist in my class. Do you think you could still run a sub six mile? Oh, no. I can't even do that <laughs> at 12 miles. <laughs> I just had a baby, honey. <laughs> no. There's no excuse. No, I'm just kidding. No way. <laughs> That's that cool. So day. I'm old enough now I can say that. That was the glory day. So you, you obviously didn't end up. Uh, oh, well, oh, actually, you did kind of end up considering pre-med, right? Oh, I, yeah six years on it. Oh, wow. I finished it pretty much. I had like one class left. So why did you abruptly change course after doing six years of pre-med and you, and art history, right? I read in your bio, you studied art history. Well, I won a lot of art scholarships out of high school and I felt like I was, I had to go that direction. Um, Mm. I didn't know what I was going to do with it because I, I'm naturally, I don't like to teach. I'm not that patient of a person. Um, and I just didn't know what, where to go with that. And I remembered that anatomy class. So I switched my major after two years of art. That's why it took six years. Cause I was mostly doing art and the regular coursework, but the medicine stuff, I was so excited about, it. I loved it. And I was working for a doctor for years. And one day he, um, he asked me to get, grab a camera and I grabbed the camera. I went to hand it to him. He said, how did you know how, how to hold that? And I said, well, it was designed to fit in my hand. And he said, that's what you need to do. And I said, I don't know what that is. And there was a patient in the room. He said, that's industrial design. And I, so I went, I was actually at ASU at the time. It was about reg- to register for the next semester coursework. And so I looked it up in my course book that I happened to have there and I read it and I was so mad because <laughs> I knew <laughs> the moment I read it, I'm like, oh, are you freaking kidding me? Because I looked at creative fields. I, mean, I was an artist and very creative, inventive. I like one Invent America twice when I was in elementary school. And I just, I didn't know it existed. And that it, now I think people are aware of it. But back then, people weren't aware of it. In fact, when I started the program, there were only like, well, there were 30 guys in my class and myself. And most yeah. of them were like 30 to 40 years old. And this was their second career. And they had been architects or engineers. And they just didn't know about industrial design. So... It's come a long way. I'm kind of jealous of all the high school graduates who know what they're doing. 
I feel your pain because so many of the designers that we've talked to have the same story where they just didn't know that studying design or industrial design or even furniture design was an option. And I'm the same. I didn't know it was an option until a college professor told me it was. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I know what I'm going to do. But I didn't know. (laughs) I had actually heard of industrial design, but it sounds like, and people think it's a factory related to factory, like you're, you're creating molds for a factory or something. So you don't know, I guess the impression of the industrial revolution or something like you're going to be working on cotton gins. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I remember reading a little bit about industrial because I looked at architecture and went, no, and then interior. And then I saw industrial, I didn't even read it because I just thought, oh no, it's funny because if it had said product design, I think I would have read that one. Yeah, the word industrial really throws you off, especially when you're young and you've never heard of anything like that before. Yep. So you studied industrial design at at ASU, um, and and then what happened? Graduated, you got a job, like... uh... No, (laughs) I never got out. No, I was still in school. Um, I got married, uh, right? Actually, I got married... And then I found out about industrial design. So I went back to study industrial design. My husband was getting his MBA and I found out we were pregnant one week into the program. And so we decided we're just going to keep plowing through. And then I found out I was pregnant again, like nine months after having the first one. And trust me, I was on birth control. It just doesn't work on me. So anyway, two students and two babies, if you can imagine. Um, oh, man. So if you can imagine, my mind, I went from thinking I'm going to take this industrial design and all my pre-med stuff, and I was going to create medical products and, you know, all kinds of fun things in that field. But Ooh. my brain shifted to baby land because I was living in baby land. You know, I had two babies at home time, you know, trying to manage that with school. And I couldn't, I, I was buying baby things and not finding what I wanted. So I, my actual, the, the program, you have to do two years of coursework before you can even apply. So when I was applying, I had two babies at home. And so the first project I did was the frog pod. And oh, wow. That was, that was the I, first project you did as an ID student? Yes. <laughs> and we've Holy sold, shit. <laughs> everything up. you touch turns to gold. <laughs> I wish that would be great. Um, okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your story. So you designed the frog pod, uh, yeah. as an ID student with two babies at home. Yes, that was my, the prerequisite was I had to have something to do with water and, you know, I'm bathing children. I saw the mess in the bathtub. Like it's so hard. You had to like clean, I'm an OCD person. So I would clean every toy and I wouldn't even buy the ones that suck up water. Cause that's gross. It, like it's trapped in there. But I noticed a lot of my friends who had babies had big messes in their children's bathrooms. They just wouldn't clean it up or stack it in a corner. And that's what created the frog pod. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Clever is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. A recent episode took Brad to Venice, where he connected with Eve Ubelman, a partner whose company, Econem, has developed a game-changing technique for creating digital architectural models so comprehensive they've been dubbed twins. During the relative quiet of the pandemic, Eve and his team used drone-captured photography and powerful AI to create a full-scale digital twin of Venice, a city threatened by climate change and over-tourism. On Tools and Weapons, Eve tells Brad how he's using this incredible technology to help preserve some of the world's most endangered cultural heritage sites in pristine detail so they can be studied and appreciated for generations to come. To stay current on some of the most innovative people working with AI today, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Clever listeners, we're getting excited for New York Design Week in May. This year will be better than ever. ICFF, North America's leading platform for contemporary design, will take place from May 19th to the 21st at the Javits Center in New York City. I'll be there, and I'm excited to let you know how Clever is collaborating with ICFF for Launchpad at Wanted, formerly known as Wanted Design Manhattan, and the Emerging Designer Showcase. Launchpad is an international platform for emerging designers that introduces new concepts and showcases prototypes of furniture, home accessories, and lighting. It is the best place for manufacturers to meet new designers, discover fresh ideas, and potential products to develop. The best of Launchpad winners will be selected by a jury of renowned industry professionals, led by yours truly and they will go on to be featured in another edition of the popular Emerging Designers Showcase. I'll be leading the Emerging Designers Showcase live on the talk's main stage, where the five Launchpad finalists will have a chance to present their projects to our esteemed panel of professionals. It's always a really good time. So mark your calendars for Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. Both Launchpad and the Emerging Designer Showcase are presented with media partners Clever, that's us, and Design Milk, and with support from American Standard and Lumens. Visit icff.com to learn more and register to attend. Those are the letters icff.com. Come by and say hi. I would love to see you there. Support for Clever comes from Wix Studio. Instead of reading you another, let's be honest, boring ad script, Wix Studio just sent me this wild-looking Alice in Wonderland-themed website to scroll through and tell you about. So, whoa. This is not the web I'm used to. There's something called Mouse Parallax, which makes it feel like you can go deeper into the screen. And as I scroll down, it's like I'm falling down the rabbit hole. And things are moving in depth and perspective. Even my cursor has morphed into a glowing little orb. 
There are all these no-code animations that make this place feel organic and alive. And Alice is wearing some pretty cool shoes, by the way. Okay, I know I'm mixing up my narratives now, but we are definitely not in Kansas anymore. Your turn to go down the rabbit hole. Build your next web project on Wix Studio, the platform for agencies and enterprises. So for our listeners, can you describe the frog pod? Sure. It's a bathway scoop um, that is attached to the bathtub wall. And it's the scoop has a base that is kind of acts as like a shelf for all your product. And then the scoop comes off the base and you can scoop up all the bath toys and rinse them off and hang them up to dry without, you know, one piece at a time or a lot of people put them through the dishwasher, but it just keeps the residue off and keeps it up out of the reach of children. Oh, and it acts as a, as a storage unit at the same time. It's like a bath. It's like a toy box in your shower. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. I can see. I know a lot of people who need one of those. I actually have one. I have the whale pod, which is, I suppose, the um, brother or sibling of the frog pod. I made a whale and a bug pod later because we had such demand. It was really great. We had a lot of knockoffs, so we thought we might as well knock ourselves off. (laughs) So that actually turned into a company. So that was my first semester, junior year. By um, In between my junior and senior years, I applied to a design competition. I won grand prize with the frog pod. And I had a lot of buzz around the park. A lot of stores were already contacting me. And I thought, oh, crap, I got to make this thing. <laughs> I mm-hmm. didn't think very many people would want a big green frog on their bathtub wall. But apparently there were. So I started Boone in between my junior and senior years. So my senior year, I'm doing a startup and all my senior coursework and taking care of my babies. It's kind of crazy. Oh, wow. man. I can't, <laughs> I can't even imagine explore. it. I mean, I just have one kid and I feel like, uh, so much work. Now now is your MBA husband factoring into this at all? Are you guys kind of running separate uh, trajectories? Kind of like being a single mom because he was working all day to support Mm. us. And then he was in school all night. So he wasn't around much. Of course he played into like writing the business plan and stuff with me. Um, but after that, I mean, one week after I graduated, I landed target store-wide. So that was super unexpected. And I didn't realize how crazy the, you know, the pull would be for this product. I was planning on staying home and inventing a few things and licensing to a few people and keeping it small, but it exploded. And so my husband who just got his MBA, I asked him, you want to be Mr. Mom for a bit? (laughs) He was so (laughs) excited because he, he didn't get enough of the children. He loves kids and he was always gone. And so he said, yes. And after a year, I asked him again, how's it going? Still like your job? (laughs) So (laughs) now we're going, I think, 14 years strong. He's Mr. Mom. Oh, I'm that's so I don't I that touches me. I love that. (laughs) That's so great. He's the patient, sweet, educated. He wanted to teach high school history. I mean, he just loves teaching. And so I have super smart kids and he loves his job. So I get to do what I do. Good for you. So I have a couple questions about Boone. Um, first of all, where did you come up with that cute little name? Actually, that was Brian. I was going to call it Boom, like Baby Boom, mm-hmm. but I couldn't have it because it's so overused. And he said, what about Boone? And 
I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I'll admit it. A lot of people don't. Um, I was a young kid anyway. And he said, it means like a benefit or a gift. And I thought, oh my gosh, because all of my products, I wanted to be benefits to parents. And I thought that is so perfect. So we just lopped off half of the M and it was an N and went with that. That's great. Having studied art history and being pre-med and industrial design, nowhere in there does it say like business stuff. Where did you get your business sense or savvy? Yeah, I was scared of that side because I, like you said, I had no background in that. And unfortunately, my dad was a serial entrepreneur, but I didn't ever learn or ask about anything he was doing. Mm, So that didn't help. Um, And so I actually sought out a, a partner who could help me. And I found this guy who was looking to buy a company because he just wanted to own a company. He was trying to find a product and I had a product and needed, you know, someone who could run a company. And he had just finished his MBA at uh, Pepperdine, um, focused on entrepreneurship. He was ready to go and he could fund it a little bit, which a little bit was a lot more than I had. (laughs) So it worked. um, And we, I had, so I had a partner with Boone and we did everything side by side, um, from, you know, writing the business plan to incorporating and all the big decisions we did together. I was in charge of all of the branding, marketing product. He was in charge of sales and operations. And so we both, I definitely learned a lot from him, but I think along the way, you just, I got my MBA. I'll just say that. (laughs) (laughs) You got your MBA on the job, which is fantastic. Yeah, an honorary Um, one. Out of curiosity, how did you link up with this partner? I met him at church. Met him at church? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's nice. We we both had babies in the nursery, and we were in there talking one day, and he invited me over for a birthday party because we had he had three girls, and I had two girls in between his three girls' ages. And so we just started hanging out. And I was actually at that party where the moms were over talking about kids. And I was kind of listening to the guys sitting on the couch. And they were all talking about business. And one of them's that's when he said, I'm just looking for a product. I'm like, Oh crap. It's totally meant to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, partnership in business is a lot like partnership in life and in romance or any other like really important endeavor. I'm guessing that that turned out well. And you guys had a really fruitful partnership because you guys ended up selling Boone after a while, right? That was our plan from the get-go. We sat down at a table and said, okay, what's our goal? How many years or or what dollar amount do we want to get to? And we we decided, you know, we're building this to sell it. And so with that in mind, you know, I mean, we, we passed our goal at year four and sold it at year seven, much higher than, you know, what we hoped. So it was really good. Yeah. Partnership can make or break you. I've seen some really bad ones. Um, mm-hmm. I loved, uh, my partner, Ryan Fernandez, we had a lot in common and we, we were both A types and, you know, shooting for this, the stars. So it's usually us against our CFO. <laughs> you know, we have <laughs> the same opinion. So it really worked out. So what's the transition from Boone to Fennell? How did Fennell come about? Well, I sold Boone, um, to a bigger company. I don't know if you know, Tomi from Japan, they invented transformers, um, <clears throat> they, oh. uh, they acquired Boone and it, it, you'll hear this from any entrepreneur who sells their company. It's just not what you thought it would be after you sell it. Mm-hmm. The job is totally different. And maybe some of the things that were said were going to happen. Don't. And 
I just, my heart uh, was, I was finding, especially in on the design side, my baby products, because my babies were getting older, my products were getting older. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I started making housewares and calling them baby products. <laughs> so, like the grass <laughs> drying rack, it's a drying rack, but I called it the bottle drying rack because I wanted to make it. Um, so I realized my heart's in housewares and I have so many other things. I want to design everything. I want to design cars. I want to design, you know, I just thought I'm kind of stuck in baby land. And mm. so it was time which is kind of funny because now my head is totally in baby land again, but, um, it was time at that time for me to move on and do something different. And handbags are part of that. Something different, beautiful handbags. Mm -hmm. Is that also just out of desire to make something you wanted? Yes. It's kind of sad to say, but I just feel like the handbag world has kind of been stale for a while and it kind of fluctuates. I see it in fashion too, where it, there's the majority of it is just kind of recycling. Like, Oh, now the seventies are back. Now the eighties are back. And now 90, okay, now we're going to go back. And now the forties, you know, it's like, I felt like it was just like the same bag happening over and over again. And I wanted to do Mm -hmm. something that was completely new and different. And so almost everything I've ever created is honestly something I wanted, but I found in the creating, especially Boone and Boone products, I'm not the only one who wants it. So if there's a hole or an opportunity that I see, I generally go after it. And this one, the Fennel brand, I named it Fennel this time instead of Boone or something like that, because I wanted to be able to create many different things under one umbrella. And so it doesn't have to be all housewares or all handbags. I'm working on jewelry. Um, There's a whole bunch of other things I want to play with. So I just wanted a brand that I could sell into multiple channels from. And do you have a partner with this brand or is it all you? All All me. All the time. All you. That damn powerful lady. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to talk a little bit about silicone because you used silicone with Boone. And then when you launched Finel and started getting into the housewares, a lot of the initial collection was created using silicone. What made you decide to use that? Is it because you worked with it so much in, in designing children's toys? No. And I didn't get to use it as much as I wanted to because it's expensive for plastics. Mm. And when you're making things for Target in the mass market, every penny counts. So unfortunately, I didn't get to use as much as I wanted to. And I did get to play with it. And I love silicone. It is so it's such a versatile, interesting material. You can do amazing forms and textures. And I've, I've always loved it. And I haven't done too much with it at Boone. And then with this company, I really I'm only dabbling in like the finest materials. And so I have like hand-blown crystals, solid brass, like the highest grade stainless steel, beautiful walnut woods. I mean, beautiful mm-hmm. things. And I was creating this line, what is now the silicone vessels, and their forms made it very hard to use a, like a bone china or some kind of material that would be fragile because they're really pointy at the ends. There's little sharp points or thin, thin edges they would mm-hmm. just crack and break all over the place. So I have to think about these things. You know, how's it going to ship? And how's it going to survive if someone knocks it over? And I just, silicone came to mind. And I just thought that would be so fun. And I started out with just this gray clay color. So it looks ceramic. And then you touch mm-hmm. it and you say, oh, that's, that's not ceramic. So I started playing with that. And it's actually the funnest thing at the trade shows. We put all the gray ones out on the front um, counter. 
and people walk by and they're, they're very delicate, delicately <laughs> touching. And then they freak out and, oh my gosh, this is silicone. And then they sit there, we call it the petting zoo because they just sit there and pet it because it's so soft. <laughs> but I just love, I love the play on the material. And I always, with everything I do, I look at, you know, what is the best material for what I'm trying to create. So this is like indestructible. You can put it in like a candy dish. The kids can't break, you know, so it's, it's fun. So you're based in Austin, Texas, which I, you know, when I think about Austin, I don't necessarily think like, oh, that's where all the luxury design items are coming from. But how did you land there after ASU? It's not luxury. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I had heard, I had a big design staff at, at Boone and they kept talking about Austin and it was really hard to get design type. So I'm talking about um, my graphic designers and marketing people, just get the, the type of people I wanted to move to Phoenix because it's not a design hub. You don't mm-hmm. hear that, um, unfortunately, because I love Phoenix. But I kept hearing everyone to move to Austin. And I'm like, no, don't leave me. <laughs> and my my work had never, I'd never been here, never taken me here. And so I thought, I just need to go check out Austin. My husband was telling me we should, I was about to build my dream house in Phoenix. And my husband said, no, let's just look around, you know. And I thought, well, I do want to start up this Spinel brand. And I should be somewhere where people don't want to leave, where they actually want to come, or they already are. So I'd already been to all the design hubs all over the United States, except for Austin. And so I, we came for a weekend to check it out and fell in love. It literally took, I'm not kidding, like a day to decide. we. It's a cool city, especially if you're already like accustomed to that climate from from living in Phoenix. Right. But, Everybody right. says, I mean, oh, you're going to move to hot Austin. I'm like, no, we're cooling off. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it was just the culture here that there's music everywhere. My husband's a musician as well. Um, the mu- There's music everywhere. It's, it's for like young families, entrepreneurs, everybody owns a business and has a band. It's hilarious. Um, and <laughs> that's the perfect. Ter- I love the the terrain too. You think it's like flat, dry, ugly. It's not. I'm in the hills on the West side of town. It's gorgeous, big, huge oaks that just tower over your homes and blue, you know, the most pretty clouds. I'm not used to clouds. I love the clouds. <laughs> it's, I love it here. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's a really also a great cool city. Like, food destination. Oh, it is we definitely... can talk about that. I'm glad this, let's just say I'm glad this is like not video. <laughs> I ate my way through Austin. It is amazing. It is so good. And you, you can eat your way through and it'll take a year. And then you have to start over because there's so many new amazing restaurants popping up. Mm. It is really good. So I want to shift gears for a minute because I want to kind of backtrack to Boone. I'm wondering how you felt about being in the kid industry or in the child product industry. How did you feel about the marketing of, of kids toys? For example, like I'm sure at the trade shows, you saw lots of like pink and princesses for girls and blue and tools for boys. Um, how do you feel about that? Well, <laughs> that's kind of my, my answer. Um, with the frog pod, I originally started having, or I was going to license it to like Fisher Price or Sassy or one of the bigger companies. I actually talked to all of them and they all had a plan for it where they wanted to turn it into Elmo or shrink it down to do, you know, be one of their Dora or whatever characters that you see everywhere. And I just wanted it to be this really cool sculpture. And I wanted it to be big because of the utility, you know, it's a toy storage. You don't want it to be small. You can't get any toys in it. And so <clears throat> they were all about price points and licensing characters. And I realized there was just such 
as a place, for, you know, there was such a hole. Like I said, I saw this opportunity where there needs to be some design savvy products. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not kidding. Everything in the industry was bl- blue plaid, navy blue plaid, and it had Mickey Mouse or Winnie the Pooh on it at the time. This is 15, 16 years ago. And so I wanted to do something different. And I was one of the first brands that had like orange and I call it frog pod green, the bright green and mm-hmm. doing kind of gender neutral, funky, cool little objects instead of something very specific to boy or girl. And I didn't want to license any characters. I want to do something that's unique. And it really hit, I mean, that's why it did what it did, because there wasn't anything like it at the time. At the trade show, everything was, if you can imagine, <laughs> it's so much better now. I'm just, I love it now. But ne- back then, everything was over-decorated with primary colors. Every inch of every package was covered with stuff. Um, and so I did everything the opposite. I had this big, plain white booth in the middle of the sea of rainbow. And then mm. I had each product up on a pedestal that was all white and just did really, really crisp design. And I think Jamie saw my booth once, right, Jamie? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept it really simple and modern and it stood out. And so that's, that's my bad. I just felt like it was too polarized. I like gender neutral. All of the Boone products um, that you designed are, are gender neutral. And that's so great, too, because sometimes you want to buy gifts for people and you don't know what to get them. Also, if you don't want to go get all pink stuff or all Dora stuff for, for your kid, it's nice to have something that stands out. And yeah, back then you you would definitely have stood out. But I think that's also good advice for designers, too, that you look at the sea of what's happening in design and you find a way to be different. And I think that's really important. Yeah, I think that's crucial. I think it's also crucial that you designed objects that didn't have stories already attached to them. I think that when you're licensing characters, right, and something's shrunk to look like Dora the Explorer, Mickey Mouse, or Winnie the Pooh, those stories are attaching themselves to those objects. And with a product like Frog Pod or any of the other like more utilitarian objects that you designed, they don't have those pre-existing stories so that the kids get to use their imagination and attach their own stories and their own memories that are not burdened with these manufactured memories. Mm. Yeah, perfectly said. But I don't even have kids, but I can I can empathize with parents who also have to look at that stuff all day long. And so yes. somebody <laughs> who comes along and designs objects that are going to beautify your environment and also teach children a lesson about aesthetics is a great thing. And, um, and you're doing the same thing now for us adult children with your housewares <laughs> and handbags. I just want to know a little bit about you personally, if you have any advice, because clearly you have, you have four children, you've now built two businesses and you're a designer. Actually three. Oh, but who's counting? <laughs> no, I'm counting. What's, what's the other one? No, the, the one that, Uh, At Boone, we had so many people with products coming to us and saying, can you help me launch this product or can you put it in your product line? I had a very specific aesthetic going on at Boone and I didn't want to take anybody else's product into that. And also not just aesthetic, but a utility that is very different. And so after denying people year after year, we started to get some offers that were pretty sick, like the number one selling product in the UK and and so we decided to start a distribution company. We called it Keen, Keen oh. Distribution. And so we started taking other people's products and 
and distributing them through our channels. So when oh, I go to so see smart. my big buyers like Target, I would sit down and say, here's the Boone line and here are all the other lines that I represent. And so that company actually grew so fast. It, it was bigger than Boone in a couple of years. It was huge. So my, the one that I, that I stumbled onto was the Bumbo seat. <laughs> they needed new distribution. So we took Whoa. over that business that one it's a big That's one a big one so yeah that one was almost too big to take but we did it was really fun I got to redesign all the packaging do photography redo how they were marketing everything even did some line extensions for them so it was really it was so much fun I, I don't have kids so I don't know what the bumbo seat is can you tell us childless people what that is it is a seat that's made out of foam that you can sit your your kid in between four and six months your kid wants to sit up but he or she can't because they topple over. So the old school way was put pillows all around them and try to balance their weight. But mm-hmm. that's dangerous, number one, and annoying because the pillows just move and they fall on their face anyway. So this is actually something that can hold them up so they can see the world and be happy and, and you don't have to worry oh. about them falling down. Okay, so do you still own Keen or did you sell that when you sold Boone? We sold them together, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. So back to my initial question. You're an entrepreneur. You're a mom of four, an incredibly talented designer. And balancing those three different roles, you clearly do it with finesse. I'm just wondering what's what's a key piece of advice that you would share with with us, well, with me, I want to know how, how do you do it? <laughs> okay. Well, I cheat because I have a Mr. Mom and I highly recommend it. They're great. Um, okay, that's not cheating by the way. That's just smart. <laughs> um, that's truly how I can do everything without him. I could do half of it and definitely not as well as I can do it with him. But I'd say, you know, I've asked this question a lot. People ask me, how do you have life balance? Um, I don't, I don't believe in balance. It doesn't exist. Uh, sometimes your business needs you and sometimes your family needs you. And so I, and, you know, you try to get to balance the best you can. And there are times where you have to give more to one or the other. And what I try to do is just be very, very present when I'm with one or the other. So when I'm at work, I get crap done. And when I'm home, I'm home with the family and I focus on the family and make the time with them special. Mm. So whatever you're doing, do it. Yep. I like yeah. it. That's, that's what you got to do. And when you're not doing mom, family, designing or building a business, you're just being Rebecca having fun. What does that look like? Are you like exhausted on running? the couch? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> eating, eating chocolate and watching a movie. <laughs> Unfortunately, right now that's true because I'm nursing, but I still love outdoors. I'm a hiker. I love to hike. I love to travel. I think my favorite thing with my family is traveling. Um, mm. I guess my Where free like time, my free time is with my family traveling. I, when I'm traveling by myself, it's usually work. But um, we've been all over the world. My kids are exposed to everything. <laughs> we've taken them all over. We, our last trip that we loved was all of Scandinavia. We just went, popped from country to country and tried all the foods and stayed like in the central areas and did a lot of walking. And it's you know, oh, so such a fantastic way for kids to get to know so much more than just their own little corner of the world. Yeah, what a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. They've been everywhere, Africa, Italy, they've been everywhere. And they just, they, it's, it's really fun to hear them tell stories. They do. They remember the little things. It's kind of annoying because they'll remember like the pizza in the hotel, <laughs> <laughs> but they have good memories of all of that. 
All right, I have some fun questions for you. The first one would be, if you could design anything, what would you design? Because you mentioned you want to design everything. So I want to hear, like, what's your dream job? Um, Danelle? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. You just you're just going to cover all the bases with Finel as as much as you possibly well, can. I would love to design a car too. I'm not going to lie. I would love, and that that would be a little difficult under the Finel umbrella. But I would love to design a car. I'm actually designing a house right now, which is really fun. Oh, that's very exciting! And is it a house for your family? Yes. <laughs> your dream house that you were going to build in Phoenix, but now you're building it in Austin. Got it. I like yeah, it. That's great. Okay. I assume you carry a Fidel purse wherever you go. And I want to know what's in your bag right now. <laughs> I was hoping you would nest that. <laughs> Diapers and wipes. <laughs> I kind of figured that was going to be your answer. <laughs> So I don't like diaper bags. They're clunky. And I have this mm-hmm. amazing tote. So I have my my little bag in my big bag. And then in that tote, I also make a diaper bag. So I have a change of clothing for her and a couple diapers and a wipey case. <laughs> smart and stylish. Yes, smart and stylish indeed. What is coming down the line for Fennel? Do you have any big announcements or any big directions you're excited about? Yes. Well, I'm working on some really fun serving pieces that go with uh, my tabletop. I just launched tabletop. It's super yummy. Bone China. Um, It's a bone bone porcelain mixture. So instead of being, like I said, I look at real utility on everything I do. Instead of being fragile and thin, I made it thick and durable. We've literally dropped it on concrete and it didn't break. I'm expanding on that line and doing some serveware in lots of brass and stones, which is really pretty. And then I do have a jewelry line. I, I put it on hold because I have so much going on in, on the housewares right now, but I'm very excited to launch that too. I can't wait to see it (laughs) and wear it all over my body. (laughs) I have some sneak peeks of it on my Instagram. If you want to check it out. What is your Instagram handle? It's Finelco, F-I-N-E-L-L-C-O. And your website? Same website. It's Finel.co. All right. Well, congratulations on your your fourth child and your prolific birthing of both products and babies. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Take care. She's like a superwoman. I don't know how she does it because, I mean, she's built three businesses that were incredibly successful and I can barely like get dressed in the morning and I only have one kid and one (laughs) business. (laughs) She must have a real solid business intuition. So she's a little bit surrounded herself with really smart business people, her husband with the MBA Mm -hmm. and then her business partner at Boone. And clearly she's no slouch. She picked up a lot of information from those people, but I have to think that some of that is instinctual as well. And maybe it's in her DNA from her serial entrepreneur dad. Probably. And she also mentioned she's type A and a lot of us type A people are just like that. We're, We're just always determined to be successful and do the best job that we can. But I also think it's really important to have a support system and to also know what you're not good at doing. So for example, I think in her situation, she had a a husband who was willing to help and be supportive of what she wanted to do and may have sacrificed something of of his own 
uh, career dreams to do that. And also hiring a business partner who is savvy in areas where you, you may not be is also a really smart move. Yes. And in her case, she didn't actually hire the business partner, but she found someone. Who oh, yes. Partnered with someone. Partnered with somebody who was interested in building something. So the investment was was the real enticement there. It makes sense to me that she studied art history and pre-med and then industrial design. That artistic and science brain of hers merged perfectly mm-hmm. with the design field that she's in. I can also imagine that while she was designing all those kids' products, she probably had like a a ton of adult products kind of just sitting there in the queue of her brain, like waiting to come out. And she finally has this opportunity to do so. Yes. And she has the money to play around with really expensive materials, which is so deluxe. Yeah, the silicone is is so fun to play with. And it does really look from afar like, like ceramics or pottery. And I love that it's um, it's a food grade and medical grade material. Right. <laughs> Just always thinking. But it is very luxurious to touch. Anyone mm-hmm. who's, you know, had silicone products knows that. And that was so fun to talk to her. Yeah, it really was. We want to thank you so much for listening to Clever. We've gotten a very strong and positive response so far, and we're thrilled. We've even made it onto the iTunes new and noteworthy list. Yay! But never mind that you have to scroll down really, 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 really far to see us. We are there. (laughs) Which brings us to a special request we want to make of you. If you're getting this podcast through iTunes, will you please give us a rating and or a review? Your feedback helps us improve the show and also helps us gain visibility and reach more ears. And the more ears we can reach, the more we can accomplish our goal of sharing the humanity behind design with the masses. And the longer we can continue to bring you this free podcast before we have to abandon the stream and go get paying jobs as dental hygienists. So Mm -hmm. it really is a win-win, you see? Anyway, we can't do this without your support. So please rate, review, and tell all your friends about us. You can subscribe to Clever on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on the web at cleverpodcast.com, where you can also find out more about Rebecca and see images of her work. Or join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Clever Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. This episode of Clever was edited by Chris Modal of your studio with music by L1011. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.